Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus 15. We're continuing, of course, our study of this powerful book showing God's redemption of his people Israel from Egypt. We've seen one of the greatest miracles, really, in the Word of God, and that's God parting the Red Sea. The nation of Israel goes safely across some dry land, and then the Egyptians, as they try to cross, they're drowned. And so what we see is that God delivered Israel and God judged Egypt. That's what we saw. Last week, the nation stood on the, the shore of the Red Sea and they sang a song of praise to God. And we talked about when we sing, and that's, I hope tonight as we sang the songs, I hope as you, as you actually started thinking about, okay, what, what are the words that I'm singing? Who am I singing this to? What, who am I singing this about? That we saw uh, and thought about our songs. And, and so in response to God's power and grace and deliverance, they sang to him. And this evening, we're continuing seeing the event. And, and what do they do now that they're gone from Egypt? What do they do that they're on their way to the promised land, the land that God had promised them and told them about? And very soon, of course, they're going to run into problems. Now, there's two million people in the desert. There's bound to be some problems, right? I mean, just think about it. How do they respond? They complain. Have they forgotten what God is doing? We'll see how it goes and how does God respond. Once again, the grace and the power of God as we study our passage. So uh, let's start with a prayer and then we'll get right into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you again for your grace to us in Christ. Thank you for the Bible, which is so perfect, especially when we think about the Old Testament. We know that the things were written in the Old Testament were written for our instructions. And so, Lord, as we see the nation of Israel, we see how you deal with them. We, we see and can learn and grow and, and, and see truths about how that you deal with us as well and the uh, applications that we can make. And so, Lord, we just ask you to, to teach us and uh, help us to understand all of these things. Most of all, thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. There's a term that is often used, sometimes the Christians use it, sometimes it, it talks about sin in their life, and some people say, they say, there's a besetting sin. And what they mean by that is that it's a sin that just seems, that we seem to do over and over again. We may not want to do it, in fact, we say, I don't want to ever do that again, and we, we say to God, oh, I want to have victory, and then, before you know it, we're doing it again. It's the same thing in Romans chapter 7, where Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do what a wretched man that I am. Writer of the Hebrews in chapter 12 tells us, he says, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily. In one translation, it said, besets us, others entangles us. There's sins that just seems to get us. Paul said, take off the old, put on the new. Sometimes we fail, and we fail over and over. Now, in your life, and you don't have to say this out loud, but are there times, are there things that you, that you do, and you know they're wrong, and you continually do them? And you say, I don't know why I keep doing this because I know I, I, I want to do it and I don't want to do it. And we know what that is. Sometimes we fail. And we feel that maybe God's had just about enough. And you think about the 1700th time you've come to him with the same thing and said, I, I want to tell on myself here. I want to confess this. I don't want to do this again. I want to, I want to help, you know, give me strength, Lord. I want to trust you in this area. And we think maybe he'd say, I think I've had just about enough. I think you've come to me. How many times is this now? But he doesn't do that. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We see that God deals with us in love and grace. And over and over, that's what we see in our lives, whether it's salvation the Christian life, God deals with us in grace. Well, this evening, we're going to see the nation of Israel. They're on the way to the promised land. We'd say that everything's great, but it's not great because they fail and they complain and they grumble. How does God respond to them? They come to a place and that God's actually testing them. They come to a place where there's no water. And then later on, we're going to see that there's no food. How do they respond? You know what they say? Why don't you bring us out here? Why do we get in this situation? How does God respond? Once more, we see his grace. 
Well, let's, let's begin. Let's see the great truth. Let's begin with just a brief review because God has taken the nation of Israel out of bondage. If you remember, we did our study. We've been going for a long time because what we did is we started in the book of Genesis and we went verse by verse, passage by passage, all the way through the 50 chapters of the book of Genesis. And, of course, Genesis ended with the nation of Israel in Egypt. And then we started in Exodus where they went into captivity there and they were there for over 400 years. And now God has led them out using Moses to lead the way in all the plagues and everything. He's leading them by this pillar of fire, uh, a cloud in there today and a pillar of fire at night. They had come to the Red Sea. They crossed the Red Sea. It looked like they were trapped. God opened up the Red Sea. They crossed, and then the Egyptians followed in, and the water came on them. We saw the response of the people. It was joy and gratitude and singing. And, and uh, you know, that, that's how we should be. You know, we talk about it. When you wake up in the morning, we should be going, oh, boy, I got another day. Because you don't have to have another day. He didn't have to give you a day. doesn't matter whether you're young or old. He doesn't have to give you another day. We know we just assume that if you're young, you've got a lot of years. You don't know. And you assume if you're old, you don't have many years. You just don't know. You don't know. They sang a song to God. They sang the praises and worship. And we saw last time great truths about God, that he's the God who delivers. He is the Savior. He is the Holy Sovereign God. He loves us. He redeems us. He, he did the same thing for them and for us as well. And last time we were reminded to sing our songs to the Lord as acts of worship. It's real easy to go through the motions. Most of you know the songs. You know the words. You can almost you can just sing them without even thinking about them, right? We can do that. It's very easy. What we need to do is think about what we're singing. When we think about our God and Savior, we realize that in the same way that he delivered the nation of Israel, he does the same thing for us. In fact, think about this. He saved us. He delivered us from sin, brings us to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He is the sovereign Lord who loves us. God sent his Son to die for us. John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. We know it. He's redeemed us. First Peter talks about uh, that we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And he has saved us and we're to know him and to live for him. At the end of that song, and it talked all about who God is and what he did and how he delivers, there were two promises we saw. I want to just remind you what it is. He talked about the promises of the land and the king. And I want you to see that. I want you to see the very last part of the song, which is verses 17 and 18, where he promised them a land and he promised them the king. Look at verse 17. Look at the land. He says, you will bring them. And this is Moses singing to God. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Now, this is before they ever built a temple or the tabernacle. And yet he says, we know, God, you're going to take us back to the land and back to a place, to a mountain, which is your inheritance, and you've made a place, a sanctuary. You realize that's what he's saying. And God, they know that. And that was the promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that this would be their land. It'd be their land forever. He says, you're going to bring us back. We know what's going to happen. Eventually, they're going to, go, they're going to build a tabernacle. They're going to go back. Eventually, it's going to be in Jerusalem. And the, and the temple we built there by David wants to build it. Solomon ends up building it, and that was the dwelling place where God dwells among his people. And that's the promise there, that he will take them back to the land. But there's also a promise of the king. The Lord is the king, and he will come and reign. Look at verse 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. You know, forever and ever is a long time. You know, we don't always think about that. And they lived happily ever after. Well, they lived happily till they died. You know, this is forever and ever. And the Lord will reign forever and ever. I have people come up and they go, yeah, but you said, you know, you've taught that there's a kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. That's not forever and ever. Well, in First Peter, he calls that kingdom the eternal kingdom. 
And there's a thousand years of Jesus Christ ruling as the King of kings and Lord of lords on this earth. And then he makes a new heavens and a new earth and the holy city Jerusalem. And then he reigns for all eternity there. So the king will rule and reign forever and ever. It's really powerful. God promises the king and the land. And so think about our king who's going who's gonna to rule and reign. Uh, think about this, the, the two comings of Jesus Christ. And I mentioned them this morning, but I went real fast in the service. But think about it. The first time Jesus Christ came, he was born in Bethlehem. His whole purpose was to come, was his death and resurrection, to be the Savior. Think about that. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven. Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth a son born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us. Think about it. He left for the purpose of becoming a person so he could die for us. That's his first coming. The Second coming, of course, he comes to rule in Jerusalem as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the King of Israel in all the world, Revelation 19:11. If you've never looked at that passage, or maybe you've never studied it, just go back to the book of Revelation. It's at the end of the tribulation. Jesus Christ is coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I mean, he's coming, and as they say, he's uh, taking names. And uh, he's coming to set up that kingdom, and he's ruling a rod of iron, as Psalm 2 says. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So the promises, they will have the land, and the king will reign forever and ever. That's at the end of the song of Moses. Never forget that when we're singing, just as Moses and the people were singing, uh, we're singing it to the Lord. And so when you sing your song, sing them to the Lord. It's, it's powerful. It'll, it'll help everything. It'll probably help your voice. And uh, and it'll help in every aspect. <laughs> now, let's see, the, as we start in verse 19, let's see the contrast. Notice what it says. But, and he gives the summary statement and the contrast. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land and through the midst of the sea. And so the contrast is the horses of Pharaoh went into the sea, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land. That's the summary of the whole thing. Israel went right through it on dry land. They made it fine. But when the horses and the chariots and everything of Pharaoh tried to go, they were all drowned. What, what a contrast. God saved his people. God judged the Egyptians. That's a, a truth. He, he, when you stand before Jesus Christ, it's not going to be for sin. It's going to be for rewards. He has saved you with an everlasting, unconditional salvation that he takes you with him for all eternity. Well, we're going to see another song. It's a little shorter. It's not near as long as the song of Moses. Miriam, who is Moses' sister, sings with some other women. Look at verse 20. Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dancing. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. So it's a short song, but it's a really good song. Uh, they sang and they danced. They came and they sang and danced. You know, I've heard people say dance and sin. Well, I don't think so. How do you dance is a sin? Not dancing. You know, just face face it. There are a lot of people who put a lot of rules on a lot of things because they're so afraid to give anybody any freedom. Do you, you understand why there's legalism? You understand why there's all these rules? They're so afraid you can't be mature enough to make a proper decision. They've got to set the parameters for you. It's just like when the people say you can't wear those kind of clothes. Because they're saying to you, you're not mature enough to know what clothes to wear. You're not mature enough to know what movies to see. You're not mature enough to know what kind of dances to dance. That's what they're saying to you. So they restrict you. You can't play cards. Well, what about old maid? Is that okay? Uh, go fish? Go fish? Go fi- What's wrong with go fish? You know, right? Think about it. 
So they went out and they sang and they what? They sang and they danced. Now think about Miriam for just a second. You know they had three kids. Amram and Jacobed was Moses' mother and father. They had a daughter, Miriam. She's probably over 90. I think she's probably six to seven to eight years older than Moses and Aaron. And she was a prophetess because the best we can tell, God gave revelation to her. She's called right here the prophetess. She got direct revelation from God. Aaron was 83 when they basically started all this, and Moses was 80. So Aaron was eight, three years, at least three years older than Moses. We're not sure how much older Miriam was, but when Moses was born, she was old enough, Miriam was old enough to go to Pharaoh's daughter and say, do you want me to find a Jewish woman to nurse the baby? She was that old. She could have been six, seven, eight, maybe nine, ten. So we don't know how old she is. She's probably over 90, though. And Aaron's probably uh, 83 or a little older, and Moses is 80 or a little older. God used his family, didn't he? Think about this one family. The daughter, their oldest daughter, was a prophet, the prophetess of God. The oldest son was the first high priest of Israel. And the youngest son was the lawgiver who led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. All from one family. Pretty good family. And did you know Moses and uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron got into trouble? We'll talk about it sometime. They got into trouble. Well, let's look at the song. Miriam answered them saying, Sing to the Lord. Notice, don't just sing. Don't just sing a song. Don't just say, okay, everyone, let's stand and sing. We should say, everyone, let's stand and sing. To the Lord. Isn't that right? That's who we're singing for. And that's who we're singing to. He's highly exalted. He's the greatest. He is to be the one to be lifted up. He's the exalted one. It says horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. They were singing of God's deliverance. We never forget to sing of God's deliverance. How he has delivered us. How God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That he is the savior. We have the greatest privilege of all. I talked about it in my Sunday school class. Why do you come to church? Why do you come on a Sunday morning? Why do you come on a Sunday night? I've mentioned it. It's not to get something out of it. It's to worship the living God. Corporately with fellow believers to worship God. To sing to him. To look at the word that he has given to us and say, how can I apply this word in my life so I can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? That's what it's all about. Well, everything's looking good, but what happens? Problems and trials, they come. We're going to see, we have seen the great works of God. What happens? Watch this. The joy of their salvation gives way to the problems and trials of life. That happened to you? Do you remember when you trusted Christ? Pretty exciting, huh? If you were older, if you're a little bit older, I mean, I was 19, so I remember it really well, and I remember how excited I was, and I remember running out the next day at the track practice, going up to my track coach saying, Coach Riley, I trusted Christ last night. He went, well, good, JB. Good. He didn't know what to say. I mean, well, you know, he thought, this guy's come running across. He thought maybe I wanted to get out of track practice. Who knows? But you know how excited you were and, and, and how, how joy, the joy of our salvation? And then all of a sudden there's problems. And we say, well, how come that happened? That's not supposed to happen. What happens? Well, let's see what happens. I call it Israel's grumbling and God's grace. Look at verse 22. 
Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. Now remember, after they crossed the Red Sea, they're in a wilderness area, and they've gone three days into the wilderness. Now Moses is the one set apart by God to take the people back to the promised land. Moses is following God. Now how does Moses know where to go? He's following what? The cloud by day and the fire by night. So, I mean, it's not, it's not that Moses is saying, I think, I think we're going to go this way. No, he, they're watching the cloud. And so it says, and Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness, and they found no water. Three days without water? Now, they probably had some water. I'm not saying they went three days without water, but they've had three days without finding any water. And you know yourself that when you begin to get to the bottom part, and all of a sudden, there's no water, and you're saying, you know, I better, I, I better be careful. I can't drink too much of this because I don't know when we're going to find any water. No, we don't have a problem. Have you ever thought about getting in the car, and you're going to drive to Memphis, right? Eight hours. You can stop at how many different places and get something to drink? Have you ever thought about, even in the wilderness, in, in the, in our, when our people went across the United States, and they were leaving, and they got barrels of water, and they have no idea... Where are they going to find the next water? What if they drank it all up? Sometimes that happened. They died. The nation of Israel, two million people in the middle of the wilderness, and they've gone around for a little bit, and all of a sudden they realize, you know what? We don't have any water. We don't have any water. They go from the Red Sea to the wilderness, assured, three days, and, and, and uh, they're heading back to Sinai. See, if you remember the promise to Moses that when... You leave where the burning bush was. He was at Mount Sinai. He said, you will go back, get the people, and you will bring them back to this mountain. They're going to come back to Mount Sinai. Before they go to the promised land, they're stopping at Mount Sinai. And do you realize they're going to be there about a year? Think about it. A year. And they're going to get the law. And then they're going to head to the promised land. And it's only 11 days' journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, which is the bottom of the land. They could have made it in 11 days. And it took them 40 years because that generation wasn't trusting God. Well, what's going to happen? By the way, when God does the leading, we're going to be okay. Even if it looks like there's no water. Because sometimes in our life, God is leading. And we're saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. It doesn't look like it's turning out very well. Sometimes when people, when things don't turn out well, they say, it must, must not have been God's will. But God's working all things according to the counsel of His will. You just got to trust Him. What's their response? Verse 23, when they came to Myra, they could not drink the waters of Myra, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Myra. Now, when they got there, they found some water, and they went, hey, hey, there's water. Yay, we're safe. We're okay. Somebody get, oh, wait a minute. what's that smell? Golly. Somebody said, Myra. But Myra means bitter. Somebody said, we can't drink this. And they thought, wait a minute. We come all the way out here. And we hadn't had water in three days, and the first water we find, you can't even drink because there's something wrong with it. It's bitter. That's why they called it Myra. When they came to Myra, they could not drink the water of Myra, for, they, for, for it was, they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Myra. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Now they came to the place, and they saw water, but it was bad water. And they grumbled where? To Moses. They went to Moses. Where should they have gone? Listen, when you have a need, where do you go? To the Lord. 
They should have said, oh, Lord, please help us. We trust you. This is, this is not good water. But what did they do? They went to Moses. And what does it say? The people grumbled at Moses. And what were they saying? Hey, what are we gonna, what are we gonna drink? Hey, hey, Moses, hey, what, what's the problem here? By the way, water's been their problem, right? By the way, grumbling is a verbal response. Water has been their problem. Notice. Next slide. At the Red Sea, there was too much water. And then in the desert, there's not enough water or it's bad water. So water seems to be an issue, you know? And so they say to Moses, what about the water? By the way, as you look through this, there are going to be at least 12 times that they're going to complain. 12 times. Truth is, it's easy to trust God when things seem to be going good. But what about when they're not going good? If God could part the Red Sea, could he give them good water? If, if God gives us eternal life, can he take care of us every day? Elizabeth Elliott said, faith goes into operation when there aren't any answers. You just got to trust God. How quickly people forget, how, how quickly these people have forgot all the miracles. I mean, they saw the ten plagues, right? Those were all miracles. They saw the part of the Red Sea. They've seen everything. Sometimes, instead of us singing, we exalt you, we sometimes just exhaust him, right? Not exalt him, but exhaust him. What are we to drink? Now, how does Moses respond? Moses does not grumble back at them. I see I see it. Yeah, I know. The little bitty cricket. Get out of here. Okay. He's so cute. Uh, this is a test to see if you'll listen to the message or watch the cricket. Okay? It's a test. But anyway, look what happened. They cried out. So Mo- The people grumbled at Moses. What shall we drink? So what does Moses do? Now watch. Then he cried out. Where? To the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D, all capitals. He called out to the personal name of God, and the Lord showed him a tree. What? A tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Now, look what he did. His response was to cry out to God. The people's response was to, cry, was to grumble to who? Moses. His response was not to grumble back to the people. His response was to cry out to God. That's what we're supposed to do. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding regards your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. He showed them a tree. A tree. He said, pick the tree up and throw it into the water. It'll be okay. They picked up the tree, the wood. They threw it into the water. And then suddenly, it's not myra anymore. It's not bitter. God did another miracle right there. What we see is the people grumbled and we see God's grace. God always provides, by the way. He brought them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He's provided good water. And we're going to see all the way through. Listen, for 40 years, 2 million people wandered in a wilderness area. Where are you going to find water and food for 2 million people in the wilderness? Where are you going to find water every day for all their animals and all those people? God gave it to them every day. Now, what he does, he's going to test them. He's going to give them some regulations. This entire event is a test. 
And in fact, the word Nahash in Greek means to test for approval. Um, excuse me, in Hebrew, means to test for approval. It's the same as in James, the kind of all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. In fact, here's a great truth. It is no evidence of God's displeasure when His people go through trials. Just because we go through trials doesn't mean we've done something wrong or that God's not for us. He is for us. He's always for us. Here's the principle. Look what he says. Right after the last part of verse 25. There he made for them a statute and regulations, and there he tested them. He's testing them. And the word test means to test for approval. He said to them, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Now, here's what he said. Listen to me. If you'll do what I say, if you will obey me, if you will live according to the rules and the regulations and the stipulations and the things that I tell you, you won't have the diseases. I will bless you because I am the Lord, your healer. There is a principle. You obey God, there's blessing. You disobey God, there's discipline. Is that true? Is that true in your life? If you obey God, does he bless you? If you disobey God, is there, is there discipline? I mean, it's a principle called what? Next slide. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that's he'll he also reap. If you sow of the flesh, you reap of the flesh. What? Corruption. If you sow of the Spirit, you reap of the Spirit. Eternal life. Listen, if you live righteously and godly, if we seek to live righteously and godly, that doesn't mean we're not going to mess up some, but if we seek to say, Lord, I just want my life to count for you. I want to obey you. I want to live by the Scripture. I want my life to make a difference for you. There will be blessing. But when you live contrary to the truths of the Word of God, there will be discipline. It is always true. It is a principle of sowing and reaping for both believers and unbelievers. It doesn't make any difference. It is true in this world. It is a pattern that God has set up. And by the way, instead of grumbling, we need to trust him because God always does more than we could ask or imagine. Always. I always sort of make the joke about the fact that he always provides more than's ever needed. I mean, there's a lot more oxygen than we need, right? I mean, if somebody's breathing in, somebody else is not got, you know, somebody better breathe back out. I don't have enough oxygen, right? There's, there's flowers on tops of mountains that nobody will ever see. There are beautiful fish in the bottom of the ocean that you're never going to see. There's always more of everything that's needed. His grace covers everything. Now I want you to see His grace. Look, what he, look where He takes them. Then they came to Elam, where there were what? Twelve springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. How many tribes are there? Twelve. He brought a spring of water for each tribe. Now, you think one spring of water would have been enough? What do you think? Yeah, most likely, right? He gave them 12. Is that more than they could imagine? I mean, doesn't he always do more? God's response is blessing and protection and grace. God redeems, God delivers, God protects, God provides. He brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them from the enemy. He protected them from the enemy, and he provides for them. He always does that. God goes beyond what we could ask or imagine. It's always. Now, let's stop there, and we'd say, well, this is good. I mean, the people have learned their lesson. Right? I mean, you saw all the miracles. 
you run in the Red Sea, you got out three days into nothing, and you're a little bit worried, and so you gripe, and then he fixes the water, and then he takes you to a place where there's more water than you can imagine, and date palms, and it's like a big oasis, and, and everybody's happy, and you'd say, thank you, Lord, we're going to trust you now. Chapter 16, look at verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the departure from the land of Egypt. They've been out of Egypt for one month. Notice, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Let's just stop right there. What? Don't we ever learn our lesson. And we say, oh, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. We're not going to make it. Lord, everything's gone to pot. It's not going to work. And then he takes us through it. And we go, thank you, Lord. And then an event happens again. And we go, I don't know. It's not going to work again. I don't know what we're going to do. Do we never learn our lesson? That he always is there and takes care of us. He does beyond what we could ask or imagine. What are we saying? The song of Moses and the people, the great God, he loves and redeems, he leads the promised land, he's going to take them back, there's going to land and the king. The, the people grumble because they, they forgot what God has done and so God's response is grace from bitter to sweet and to a place of 12 springs. So let me give you some applications and let's, let's do this. Let's worship our God and Savior. And how do we do it? Well, in one way tonight is through song. And that the next time, think about it, when you come on Sunday morning, when you come on Sunday night, think about it as Stephen gets up and we start the music, say, I'm singing this song to the Lord. I'm not just singing the music. I'm singing the song to the Lord. As we saw what Moses did and what Miriam did and Moses and the people, we should sing our songs to the Lord. We're worshiping him for who he is and what he has done and let our focus be on him. Second, trust God in the trials of life. I mean, we're going to have trials. There are going to be ups and downs. Just because something goes wrong doesn't mean God's against us or we've done anything wrong. We have to trust him. In fact, he has has tests for us in life that we'll trust him. Don't grumble like Israel, but trust. He's a God of grace and mercy. And he always, uh, uh, we, we do not deserve anything. Let's face it, we don't deserve anything. But he always takes care of us. Trust him. Uh, it is easy to grumble. It's easy to be, it's easy to be afraid. And yet, what has he done? Third, remember that obedience brings blessing. When we live by that, there's a, there's a principle of sowing and reaping in the Scripture. It's all throughout the whole Bible. And whatever you put in, you get out. Whatever you sow, you reap. You sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you reap of the Spirit. And we want to live in such a way that we will be blessed by God. Obey him. Oh, live by the scripture. Know the word of God. Live by the scripture. It's not a set of rules. Just remember that. There's, there's a thing called the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is the law of love. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love others as I have loved you. That's the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. And so if you want to live by the commandments that Jesus Christ has given... You love others, you love God, you live according to Scripture, you make an impact in that way. May we worship our God and Savior in song as we trust Him in the trials and circumstances of life, knowing that obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings discipline, and we want to live in such a way where He Him say, well done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the passage. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you show us in the book of Exodus. Lord, as we are going to follow them for uh, a little while as they go into this wilderness, well, Lord, we want to uh, see all that you have for them and all that you have for us. Lord, thank you that uh, we can worship you.
We can worship you anytime, anyplace, anywhere, in any way. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us music. And we love songs and we love singing. And it, it, it just touches us as nothing else does. And thank you, Lord, that we can sing songs to you. We can worship you. And so, Lord, I pray that I'll remember when I sing on Sunday morning and Sunday night and different times that I'm singing these songs to you. And uh, I lift up my voice in that way. And the same thing for all of us. And, Lord, may we trust you in the ups and downs of life because there's going to be downs. And we just have to trust you knowing that you're working all things according to the counsel of your will. You're, trust, you're testing us to trust you and to rest in you. And, Lord, may we live by the Scripture knowing that obedience will always bring blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to live for you and to serve you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.